This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Hey, is this thing on? Hello? Hit it again. I think it's on now. <clears throat> Welcome to Hiker Trash Radio, where each week, Doc will drag some colorful characters out of the woods to talk trail and type 2 fun. If you're aspiring hiker trash, or if you're just looking to understand the hiker trash in your life, look no further. So lace up those boots, gnaw on some jerky, and settle into your 20-mile pace as we fire up the podcast from somewhere deep in the backcountry. It's time to embrace the suck. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. Unfortunately, we are Jeffless today. He uh, He's a little under the weather. I'll just say it. He has COVID. He shared it on Instagram, so I don't think he I'm... He finally under- fell. He finally <laughs> fell. He's the last of us. The last the of us. The mighty has fallen. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think I ever thought I'd get it, and I got it, and then he never thought he got it, and he got it. And then and I think, Severa, you were the first, right, if I recall. Yeah. I just waited to go to Italy to get it. That's right. <laughs> At least if you're going to get it, you had it with really delicious <laughs> yeah. pasta. Um, exactly. But I'm actually really 
excited because today we actually have another hiking podcaster on, Doc, aka Colin from the Hiker Trash Podcast. Welcome aboard, Doc. I'm going to go by your trail name, Doc, because we are hike. We're all hikers here. So, welcome, welcome to the podcast, Doc. Why don't you introduce yourself? Fantastic, yourself. fantastic. Yeah, Doc from Hiker Trash Radio. And uh, formerly the John Freaking Muirpod. So some of our folks out there may have listened to the early edition of the podcast. And for all those people, I am profoundly sorry. But if you have stuck with the podcast, I appreciate it. We've gone through an evolution and I'm really happy with where the podcast is right now. So thank you for having me on. Excited. Yeah. Both Jeff and I were on it when it was the, the John Freaking Muir podcast. And I had, we both loved it. We both talked about how much we, we enjoyed the experience. Um, why don't you go back to being, how did the John Freaking Muir podcast start? How did you get into podcasting? Yeah, great, great question. And uh, I, I'm not sure how great the origin story is, but it all works out to uh, Los Angeles traffic. I had done some hiking. I've been hiking since 2015, doing like overnight stuff and and trips in the Sierras, which has been a lot of fun. And I found myself in 2020, January of 2020. So it's it's pre-pandemic. I had to go to a meeting down in downtown LA. And there I am stuck in traffic. And I'm just wondering to myself, what am I doing here? How did I get here? Why am I in traffic? Uh, How do I stay connected to to what I really love, to being outdoors and, and being on the trail? And my son had started up a podcast with his buddies, a sports podcast, sports talk podcast that was very short lived. But during their experiment, it it happened to be at that time where I was stuck in traffic. And so it was recent. The seed had been planted. And I said, why don't I do a podcast about hiking, about outdoor adventure? And that kind of just started it all for me right there in January of 2020. Man, that was uh, yeah, that's great. And you have quite a few episodes now, right? Where what is your if you include both iterations of it, what's your how many episodes do you have now? Yeah, my, my wife will tell you that I get obsessed sometimes and I'm currently obsessed with a podcast. So I'm trying to grow the podcast, trying to talk to a lot of people. I feel like I have friends all over the world from, you know, just the number of episodes I've done and the and the type of people that I've talked to. And so I am currently and for the last few seasons, have been putting out two new episodes every week. We have uh, six full seasons, 50 episodes each. We're currently in season, I'm recording in season seven right now. We've got we're about four or five episodes recorded in season seven. But uh, yeah, two new episodes a week. We have, I think if you look on Apple Podcasts or other platforms, it says I have 318 or 320 episodes, counting normal episodes and bonus episodes. That's just amazing, wow. honestly. Yeah. Because we sometimes throw, we aim for every other week and we almost never hit that. So. <laughs> yeah, I will come home from, I'll come home from work and my wife will say, do you have an interview tonight? I'm like, yeah, I've got an interview tonight. I've got an interview tomorrow night. Wednesday night, I've got a work meeting, but Thursday night I have another interview. And then if I'm talking to somebody overseas, that typically happens on the weekends because of the time difference. And I've got to, I have to do early morning and they do late afternoon. Wow. So based on what you just said about your schedule, this is not your full-time job? This is not my full-time job. No, this is a part-time job. I've been hustling and grinding now for, what, almost four years. And uh, we, we got picked up in May, right around, actually June of this year, June 2023, we got picked up by Waypoint TV Podcasting Network, which was exciting for me. I think put us on the kind of the next level in terms of marketing and promotion and advertising and so I'm, I'm real excited about that too. 
That's great. Cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And I will say, this is fine. We chatted a little bit before we started the recording, too, about how how different our methodology on the actual recording of an episode is. I think when, because we've been doing this one for a while, too, and then when I agreed to go on yours, I got, you sent me, like, this crazy script that was down to a minute. Oh, yeah, from for three minutes of talking about this, then five minutes of talking about this, and then we do this segment. It was crazy. I guess everyone does it differently, and again, we just show up and talk. We don't really plan much so it's funny but is that just how you work what made you come up with this is this the what's your methodology behind how you do you create your scripts and and you've come up with the format of the show yeah different strokes for different folks right everybody has their own approach and i i'm a little nervous in terms of talking and putting something out there and so to combat my nervousness i over plan that's just how i compensate i over plan i try and provide a lot of structure also as a current educator I know that with students, when I was in the classroom, students really benefited from structure, from knowing what to expect. And I I think I just applied that to the podcast as well. Listeners can tune in. They know that they're going to hear about the hiking pole. They're going to hear about the must-bring gear. They're going to hear about hiking hacks. It's recurring segments, regular segments. And so they they can count on what they're going to get when they tune in to Hiker Trash Radio. (laughs) That's fun. I like that. I like that you, the formula that works. As <laughs> um, <laughs> we're like, hee, hee, hee. Yeah, when yeah, you invited right, yeah. me, when you invited yeah. me onto the podcast tonight, I, I asked you, I said, what are we going to be talking about? And you're like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We're just going to chat. And I'm like, that is very unnerving. I'm really <laughs> nervous right now. So I hope it's going okay. You're doing great, man. Okay. No, no, don't worry. And again, 300 podcasts later and you're on your heels. What? I know. What the heck? Come on. You, if anything, we're like a third of that. If that we're in the nineties right now. You. We're in the nineties right like, now. Yeah. You're like, maybe this like whole free flow thing isn't so bad. I know. <laughs> like his next interview in a couple days, he's going to be like wearing like an outfit, like the dude from the big Lebowski with some nachos and whatever. Be like, Hey man, just go with it. He's going to completely convert. To, uh, Jason, to no plan plan. Jason, yeah. you periodically appear. You, you, your name comes up periodically on the podcast. We not very kindly, I assume. A lot of people talk about. We have a segment, a regular segment on the podcast called mm-hmm. "Off the Beaten Path," where we talk about adventure media out there. When we can't yeah. be on the trail, how do we get our fix with adventure media? And repeatedly, a mile and a half comes up, and I have to tell oh, people, nice. you know what? I had the privilege of talking to Jason Fitzpatrick about mile and a half. And it, he is a fantastic dude. No, oh, thanks. And now you've also had my current collaborator partnered with, with Jeff Garmeyer with legend quite a bit. I've been, I've listened to all your podcasts with him and, and, and enjoyed your guys's kind of mischievous kind of stuff that you guys have been doing. Well, you have an April fool's thing, right? Am I, <laughs> do I remember that right? You want to tell everyone about that? Yes. Yes. Talk about being unscripted. I just approached Jeff. He is a character. He's been on four or five different episodes. He's co-hosted with me a couple of times with, depending on what the topic was, uh, we had him on with Barkley competitors. We had him on with calendar year triple crowners. And he is an interesting dude. Talk about the big Lebowski. He is a very cool guy an interesting guy. And I approached him a few days before April Fool's, and I said, oh, we should do an April Fool's episode. And he says, oh, yeah, I'm down. I'm down for that. Let's do it. And I had no idea what he was going to come up with. And so I, all I knew was I was going to introduce him with this big announcement. There's a big announcement. We can't wait to share it with you. I'm going to turn it over to Jeff Garmeyer to tell you what the big announcement is. And he, had, he came up with this whole concept of creating this crazy race, 
aka the Barclays, a different take on the Barclays with all of these peculiar traditions. And it was hilarious. But it was one of those almost unscripted. I didn't know what was coming, but he pulled it off. He got the assignment. Yeah. He got the assignment. If you gave him a script, let's be honest, if you gave him a script, he wouldn't really follow it anyway. That's true. That's that's, not much for that kind of thing. But uh, so, how did you mention? Did you say you started hiking in 2015? Or you started yes. doing longer hike, like backpacking? So yeah, so tell us about how you got into that whole world. Yeah, I've done day hikes probably all my life, but I had just run the LA Marathon in 2014. And the guy that I, a guy that I work with, we had run the marathon together and we checked that off the list and we said, okay, what's next? And he approached me with something that I had never heard about before, and that's backpacking. Overnight, multiple days, camping in one spot and hiking to the next spot and so on. I'm like, that's a thing? And he said, yeah, we need to do the John Muir Trail. And so that summer in 2015, uh, he and I, and then another buddy that we we have, who has subsequently picked up the trail named Chopper, uh, we did the southern half of the John Muir Trail. So our our first overnight experience was this 125-mile hike in the Sierras, which was just absolutely epic and uh, a great experience which hooks you at 300 plus people. A lot of them had very bad first experiences out in wilderness, and yet they still were hooked. And so I had the pleasure of having this great experience. And so it, it, I, it's got its tentacles deep in me now. So where, where did you hike in? Which, which path did you hike in? So we went into uh, Florence Lake. Mm. Oh, from the west. I, for some reason, I was thinking the east. That makes Yeah, sense. we came in from Visalia, I think, and yeah. up to some pretty sketchy backcountry roads, hugging the cliff sides and ended up at Florence Lake, spent the night there and then crossed in the morning and uh, headed down towards Muir Trail Ranch and beyond. That's great. Yeah. yeah. That's an amazing stretch. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Have you done the northern half yet? Have you gone back? Yeah, we, with our day jobs, we I couldn't find three weeks to take off in a row. Bit by bit, we sectioned hiked the, the whole John Muir Trail. We've completed the whole thing, had a oh, big celebratory uh, barbecue, passed out. I, I got gifts for everybody in the form of these oversized beer steins with engravings of JMT, their trail names, and the years that we took to, to hike that. Oh, that's so cool. I think it's interesting because you don't hear people section hiking the John Muir Trail very much. And like, how was it like getting in and out? Because I feel like a lot of it, once you're in it, you're in it. So that must have logistically taken some good organizing and coordination. Yeah, we the first trip was so successful. It was 9 or 10 days, 125 miles. We carried all the food. We just packed, crammed everything into a bear can and carried it down. And so the following year, 2016, we said, okay, we'll go in the same place and we'll just head north this time. We'll drop into Florence Lake, get to the trail and make a left turn instead of a right turn and head up. And we that was working just fine until we got to Mammoth. I uh, went past Red's Meadow and continued going and the weather turned on us that afternoon and through weather forecasts uh, on the device, it looked like the weather was just gonna be terrible for the next three or four days. And so because we were so close to Mammoth, we decided not being hardcore, embrace the suck quite yet. We said, what do we want to do here? So we we bailed out. I'm sorry to say we bailed out out at Mammoth. But then in in, uh, the next summer, we picked up at Mammoth and continued the trek and finished it off. Oh, that's great. Got it. Yeah. Do you have a favorite stretch of the trail? I've done the southern half three times. And it is glorious. It, it's, I think 80% of the southern half is spent over 10,000 feet. 
the, the passes are incredible. The lakes, Ray Lakes, Palisade Lakes, just unbelievable. There is magic about being in the Muir Hut as well. It's just, you, you feel the history. No, absolutely. Yeah, I think the Southern, I think Palisade is definitely, if I had to pick, would definitely be my favorite spot. And the Golden Staircase, it's just such a magical, and so remote. There's something about just being that remote in that stretch that, that makes it so amazing. Yes. <laughs> One kind of cool thing, too, that I want not many people have talked to as many hikers of you, as you, right? Like, in detail, and interview them and question them, in a sense. Yeah. So, you're almost like a PhD, really, right? <laughs> like, you, you have a doctorate and, and like, hiker now, right? Um, Doctorate in hyper trash. Yeah, exactly. What have you, like, having talked to 300 people, like, what have you learned? Like, what are your observations about hikers in general as a group of people? What do you think is, separates us or makes us the same? What is the, what are your biggest sort of findings from this exercise? You know? Wow, what a question. That is fantastic. I think that the vast majority, certainly everybody I've talked to, but if I'm extrapolating out to the hiker trash community, as a whole, I would say that the vast majority of people are supportive, helpful, positive, have a great outlook on life. There's really not a lot of, I don't know, conflict or worries that you have to have on the trail about the people around you. I think, the again, the vast majority are just so positive. I think that there are people out there who um, are also working on things. They're working through some big issues occasionally. And I think the, the trail has a very restorative aspect to it, Transform, transformative as well. You, you enter on one trail a, a certain person, and when you finish that trail, you've, you've changed a bit. And if you're on a long trail like the AT or the PCT, sometimes you've changed quite a bit. Yeah. Do you have favorite stories or favorite, Who? Are, what are some of your favorite, do you have great anecdotes other than Jeff? Because look, we've talked, Jeff gets too much attention on this podcast, <laughs> a legend. So let's talk about some other than Jeff and both Jeffs, Hester and legend. Let's not talk about, besides any Jeff, is there like, who are some of the favorite hikers you've talked to and what are some of the, your favorite anecdotes? Yeah, I've got a few. I've got a few and I've got my list of episodes up here just because I thought maybe this might come up and I want to make sure I'm able to <laughs> reference back. But one of the ones that jumps out is a guy that I talked to who picked up the trail name 127. And I said, how did you get that trail name? And he says he was on the AT, he was heading southbound and he was by himself. He'd see the occasional, occasional person, but he was going across a log bridge that was covered in mud and, and leaves and such. And he stepped and his leg went through the two logs. And he found himself sitting there straddling one of the logs, his leg stuck between the two logs, and he, he couldn't get out. He couldn't, the, the, his knee wouldn't fit through the, the logs again coming up. And so he was stuck there and he was saying, okay, it's not a problem. Someone's gonna come by. They're gonna, they're gonna see me, they're gonna help me. I'm gonna get out of this. Nobody came by. He was on his own, and he finally scooted himself close enough to the shore to be able to grab a rock, and he kind of wedged that in there and uh, was able to widen the gap just enough to pull his leg out. But when he got to camp finally, and he told this story about his leg being stuck and him being trapped, and somebody said, that guy in, in the movie that had to cut, up, yeah. cut off his arm, 127 hours. Yeah. So his trail name was 127 hours, and then it got shortened to 127, and then it became 127. But right. just a very entertaining anecdote. 
Another one is that, that I frequently refer to is we have an experienced through hiker in the form of a 20 year old. He did the PCT when he was 18, fresh out of high school, convinced his mom to drop him off at the Mexican border on his own to hike the PCT. So he, it, he was on, this story picks up when he's 20 and he's, at, he's getting ready to start his third Triple Crown Trail, uh, the AT. He shows up at Springer Mountain and he meets up with a guy who is a retired Navy veteran who many years in the service and he has uh, very prepared for what he's about to do. He hasn't done a whole lot of hiking, but he has researched and he's prepared. He's got three of everything. His pack is probably 60 pounds. They meet at Springer Mountain, don't know each other before this, and they, they see each other. One guy is a grizzled old veteran with a 60-pound pack. The other guy is a 20-year-old with probably a 7.5-pound pack, and they both look at each other. I've talked to them independently on the show about this story. They both look at each other and think to themselves, oh, this guy's not going to survive. And uh, <laughs> just that... that difference right there is a uh, very amusing mm-hmm. did they both survive they both survived they're both close friends now that was ginger balls and scrapbook Jim, ginger balls was the navy vet uh, scrapbook was the veteran at 20 years old uh, they're both triple crowners and they both did the long trail um, oh, nice. a couple years ago together oh yeah very cool That's very nice what other through hikes or long trails have you done I've spent a lot of time in the Sierra, so I've done a lot of the John Muir Trail repeatedly. We've done the High Sierra Trail a couple of times. This last summer, we did a piece of the Tahoe Rim Trail, which was a lot of fun out there in Desolation Wilderness. Absolutely gorgeous. So pretty. Yeah. Yeah. But it's mostly Sierras type activities. Trans-Catalina Trail. Done that a number of times, oh, nice. and it actually Thanksgiving week we're gonna we're gonna do that again. So looking forward to doing it in, in a non-summer time period to see what the experience is like. Yeah. <laughs> and have you convinced your wife to be a backpacker too, or is she does she do the backpacking and the hiking? Mrs. Doc is not a backpacker. M- Mrs. Doc thinks it's a real hardship when there's slow room service. Uh, not no room service, but slow room service. So she doesn't understand my obsession, but she supports me, which is which is yeah. awesome. She, she's probably a fan of having some time to herself, right? I'm guessing there's that. That's a nice like component of it, you know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what goes on here when I'm gone, but uh, <laughs> all I know is the locks aren't changed, so that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I know you're a teacher, I, I believe, right? Am I, you said educator, and I was pretty sure that's what I remembered from when I was on yep. the podcast. What, what do you, you teach high school? Is that right? So I was a high school English teacher, and then I moved on to become a high school assistant principal, oh. and then a high school principal, and now I'm an assistant superintendent of human resources. Oh, wow. So when you were like like a vice principal, how many, did you ever have Dustin and Nikki Soto like in your detention hall? Constantly, constantly, constantly. But those guys yeah. kept me hopping. Yes, I absolutely. Bet, so shout shout out, mutual friend. Yeah. Shout out Eric to the Soto. dad, Eric Soto. How you yeah, doing, Eric? A good friend of ours. Yeah, he's a good friend of ours. Just coincidentally, he's not even a hiker, but we found that out. That which was fun. And his two kids. I think that's how you know him, right? Because his kids went through your. That's right. Stuff. His kids. Those, those boys are awesome. Yeah. I've got a great story about Dustin. Dustin went to the Naval Academy. And I was the principal when he was a senior, and throughout high school I was principal, but his senior year, we had an awards ceremony, senior awards night in the auditorium at the school, and we tried to be as inclusive as possible that year, tried to invite some people who ordinarily maybe not get awards. And so we had this one particular kid who had a just a terrible 
backstory challenging childhood home life and yet he was going to be he made it through to graduation and he was going to be marching in the, in the line something that you may not have thought was possible a couple years before and so he was invited he was being presented with a special award uh, I, I get choked up telling this story he he literally was on stage with 250 other students during senior awards night and was, he really wasn't sure why he was there and he even asked the counselor a couple of times, am I supposed to be here? And the counselor said, yeah, you're supposed to be here. And so it came time for him to be recognized. And they're telling the story of this kid. And Dustin is sitting up there. And he is the first one to stand up. And he uh, started applauding. And it led to this standing ovation by the entire crowd. All the students, all the parents, everybody. And it was just a, just one of those magical moments. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's we might have to edit this out, but that's the kind of kid no, that, no, that, that Dustin that Dustin yeah. is. Yeah. And he went on to the Naval Academy and yeah. is just a fantastic guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw Nikki last year. I went, we went to a, a game with a Raider game with his dad and nice and his mom. And, but uh, yeah, no, that that's great. So what's funny? You mentioned you didn't you had a struggle, hard time finding time. Usually educators are the ones that I'm jealous of because they have three months off during the summer. Is that different now that you're like a principal? You have to work all the way through the year? <laughs> yeah. And in fact, I've been at the district office now for, I think this is year number seven. And certainly when the summer comes, it's a lot more manageable, but we don't get wholesale three months off. There's stuff to do. Once the school year ends, you're already planning for the next school year. You're preparing to get right. everything ready to go for for the next set of students. Yeah. I know you mentioned your human resources, so I'm guessing you're trying to find new teachers, right? Yeah, so that's gotta be a hustle. <laughs> so I have a question about, with all the hikers you've interviewed, you've talked about stories that have stuck out in your mind. And you talk about how you ask for like tips and gear, like of different segments. What has been like the mind blown hiker tip that you're just like, what? I've never even thought about that. That you're like, I will never ever not do that thing, right? Or well, something that's so weird, but yet makes so much sense. I've had people on who have tried to convince me that cold soaking is the way to go. I, I've i tried. And I, I just, I can't get behind that. Yeah. I need to have something hot at the end of the day. Another thing that's intrigued me. Wait, so for people who don't know what that is. Yeah. So cold soaking is basically, so you basically have some food that you use cold water to rehydrate it throughout the day. That's right. right. You've got like a peanut butter yeah. jar. Did you at some point, yeah. maybe an hour before you get to put camp, you put your food in, you put your ramen in there, you put in some water, you let it soak for that last hour, 45 minutes, and you get to camp and you open it up and you, you slurp it down. But it's a, a sad, cold existence. <laughs> yeah, no. How do you do? How do you go without coffee? You got to have a stove. Because you got to have coffee. I don't know. That's the one thing I could never live without. So it's <laughs> yeah. And then another idea that has surfaced quite a bit in a number of episodes is the pocket bidet. Oh yeah, yeah right. Some I, of my friends use that. Yeah, yeah. I was on a backpacking trip. Yeah. A couple of girls swore by it, and they will like never go back. I'm threatening to try it. I've never even used like an actual bidet. So it's that's like a bit it's a big leap, right? It's a I'm bigger leap than someone that's actually used like actually used one. I see them and I look at them and I'm like, I have no idea how that thing works. So like the thought of I'm like, okay, how does the backpacking one work? But a couple of my backpacking friends swear by it. And again, if you're leaving less leaving less out there, that's right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's Yeah, Jason, I'm with you. I'm with you exactly. And then I 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm the person who will use the debate because I'm like a bidet because I'm curious. I'm like, this is fun. And then I don't trust it. So then I still use the toilet paper just to make sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, and it works. But every time it's worked, but I just can't, like, I'm like, oh, (laughs) just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'd worry about getting proficient with that. How much practice does it take? Where do I practice? I I could pitch a tent in the backyard and work on different tarp pitches or whatever. But you know, where do I do the, the pocket bidet to make sure that I am proficient with it when I hit the trail? Right? Like, how do you even learn how to use it? Like, I don't want to watch, like, actual footage of this happening. But, I, <laughs> right. like, I want to know how to do it before I try it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, Jason, like, be how... careful with your YouTube searches. Right? Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> That's terrifying. Like, what could happen if you click on the wrong one? But I think I'm going to, I am going to, next season, I think I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot. All right. On at least one trip. I'll definitely bring, you know, some backup some you know we'll have to have you on hiker trash radio to to hear how that went yeah oh oh yeah it could become one of my new favorite stories i'm sure yeah yeah and i you know what i do have one more favorite story if if we have time yeah of course we have plenty of time okay so another wesley tills have you heard of wesley tills i know that name but i'm trying to remember why so his trail name is mega man and his instagram handle i think is vagrant viking 93 Mm-hmm. And so he comes on and he tells this story because one of the questions I ask, let's hear your backstory. How did you get involved in the through hiking cult? Because let's face it, it's a cult. Anybody, that, any group or organization that convinces you to sleep <laughs> yeah. in the dirt for days or weeks, months on, at, at a time, that's got to be a cult. So he was actually a, a Mormon missionary. Oh. He was 19 or 20 years old. He was up in Northern California doing the missionary thing, knocking on doors, and was not finding a whole lot of fulfillment in that. And he was questioning himself and his journey. And was he meant to do this? And as the story goes, he, he went to a Mormon church to pray on it and decide you know, what he should be doing. Is this the path he should be on? Is there something else for him? And during those couple of days of meditation and praying on it, he looked up and he saw this map in the church of California, and it had this red line going down it. And he went to go look at what the red line was, and it was the PCT. And so he decided right then and there that that's what he was going to do. He was going to hike. And so he went back to where he was staying. Uh, He told his partner, uh, his missionary partner, what was up, and somehow he found out that the higher ups were aware of his plans to defect and were sending a team out to get him to bring him back into the fold and make sure he didn't do that and so in the middle of the night he throws everything into his backpack and he jumps on his bike and he rides away and into the wilderness stop him (laughs) never looked back he knew somebody who was not too far away and stayed with her for a little bit, but then eventually struck out on the trail, and, and the rest is history. I uh, interviewed him recently for a second episode. He now calls himself a quadruple crowner, because in addition to the three long trails, he did another Canada, uh, Mexico to Canada trail uh, that he calls the, the fourth crown. But he is just a very entertaining guy. Uh, he says he still gets calls. This is 20 years ago when all that happened, but he gets calls from current missionaries who reach out to him and say, is it true that you stole a police car in the escape? And the tail just grows and and grows each year that goes by. Yeah, when those Mormons fall, they fall hard, right? (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Oh, God. That is so funny. (laughs) Yeah, we all... All right, so how do you you find all your your interviewees? 
because we have a wide net that we cast as far as outdoor related. But yeah, how do you find how do you find your hikers? Yeah, we I think we have some guests in common because I just saw recently you had Adam Salinger on the podcast. Yeah. And in fact, your episode picture and my episode picture for the, for his episode are like exactly, it's the same picture. It's the same picture. So I was like, oh my gosh, not only did we interview the same guy and the episodes I think came out within a week of each other, but it's the same episode picture, which is I, I probably hilarious. took that for the record. I probably took it. Maybe not. I have to look and see which one it is, but there's a good chance I took it. Hiking yeah, no. podcasters, nobody's getting yeah. rich on this. I think we're sharing the wealth. If we're share, sharing the fun totally. and borrow from each other, whatever. No, no yeah. big deal. But the first few years, it was a struggle to find guests. I would just scroll on Instagram and find interesting people who are doing great things out there and would reach out to them, just like cold call, cold DM. And there was probably like a, I don't know, 15%, 25% return on investment on that process. But it kept a steady trickle of guests coming in. And what's really cool about the podcast in the last year and a half is that has flipped a little bit in that I have had more and more guests on who have reached out to me and said, hey, I'd like to come on and share my story or have uh, said, hey, people reaching out to me and saying, hey, um, this person would be a great guest. You should reach out to them. I know this person, drop my name. And so it's been like the guests have been coming to me, which has been a little bit refreshing because this is a one- not sliding into people's DMs anymore. That's right, not sliding into their DMs anymore. But this is a one-person operation over here at Hacker Trash Radio. We've got yeah. that one-person booking talent, one-person writing yeah. the scripts, one-person uh, doing the interviews, doing post-production. All it, It's all doc. No, it's a lot of work. I, the fact that you do two a week blows my mind, honestly. I, it's what I, I, it's pretty awe-inspiring. Yeah, really, honestly. It's like, <laughs> wow, that's great. That's amazing that you, you find the time and the whatever and that you make the time to do it. It's super cool. What I lack in talent, I make up for in your format. I make up for in volume. Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, does it help because because you are doing so many that you have such a regulated format and like that formula that's got to help with your editing and all the things like keeping everything on track? Yeah, it does. It does. I have a regular I have kind of a skeleton script to go from when I'm writing new episodes. So sometimes I'll sit down and, and take maybe an hour to write four or five new episodes in a weekend and send those out to my guests once they've agreed to come on the podcast. And then the post-production has is, is been dialed in to a, a system that, that works for me and get it down, done in a, a relatively short time. Yeah. I have a question. What do you hope people get out of your podcast? Mm. I that, That's a good question too. And I hope that they are just inspired to do more in the outdoors. Yeah. I don't just talk to through hikers. I talk to day hikers. I talk to section hikers. I talk to uh, big wall climbers. I talk to polar expeditionists. There are so many branches on the outdoor adventure tree. And I think that Hiker Trash Radio is really a human interest podcast because it's not just the stories about what they're doing out there, but it's their stories about how they got there that I think are the most interesting. And so I actually have someone coming on the podcast in a future episode who I saw, she, she messaged me on Instagram saying that she had listened to the podcast and 
was intrigued and got hooked and decided she was going to do the PCT. And she has successfully completed the PCT now. And so I'm looking forward to having her on to talk about that experience. So that's what I hope. That's what I hope that, that I just inspire people to do more, to realize that the human body is capable of, of so much more than we think it is and that it's okay to be uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah, that's fantastic. Awesome. What, what are like your favorite trail names? Like 127 is fantastic, but do you have other trail yeah. names and there, or any other great sort of trail name stories? Yeah, some of the ones, I, that's one of the questions I ask occasionally on a hiking pole is favorite trail name out there that you've encountered. We've, we've had people talk about Cheesebeard and uh, <laughs> something like the Funky <laughs> Avocado. And uh, one guy told me about an encounter he had with the guy who introduced himself he was shaking his hand at the time introduced himself as poop hands which i thought would be very troubling if you're, you're in the middle of a handshake yeah. with this guy and he's introducing himself as poop hands i would feel a strong urge to to find the the, the sanitizer yeah absolutely i wonder if he's using a boudet he's not using the bidet <laughs> probably not he yeah. he's he just he's gone ultra lightweight and is just yeah. using his hand so yeah <laughs> <laughs> What now, like when you first started this, like what was your expectations of it? How has it exceeded it? How has it been different from what you expected? What has surprised you most about doing this for these years? The Probably the biggest surprise and the biggest enjoyment I get is when people reach out to me and interact with me, either via the website and the email there or through social media and they talk about a particular guest or they refer me to another guest or they talk about how much they, they like the podcast. I talked to Barney Mann one time, Barney Scout Mann, mm -hmm. the trail angel on the PCT. Him and Frodo host uh, first-time PCT hikers. And he said his biggest joy in life was walking through an airport and seeing somebody reading his book. And I, the problem with podcasters is we could walk through an airport all day and not know what people are listening to. So we're not sure. I, I tell myself, that person's probably listening to, to Hiker Trash Radio. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But that just... People reaching out that I don't know, complete strangers, and saying, hey, I listened to the podcast, and I think you're doing a, a fantastic job. I really enjoyed it. That, that is the biggest surprise and also the biggest joy I get from doing this. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question. I have a question. How do you define hiker trash? Ah. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about that, too. Yeah. What makes up? Who is a hiker trash? My, a my, trash? my first conversation about hiker trash on the podcast, back when it was the John Fricky Muir pod, was with Jeff Oliver, who is known by the trail name IBTAT. I-B-T-A-T. IBTAT. And he was wearing a hat. said hiker trash on it. And... I said, what is your definition of hiker trash? And not anybody can just wear that hat. You've got to have the cred behind it. And he says well, his definition of hiker trash is spending at least one night in a privy or in a pit toilet. <laughs> if you've done that, you're hiker trash. And I think the definition yeah. has uh, expanded yeah. to if, if you've been in town and you've pulled uh, food off of a stranger's plate, who's going to throw it away? Or if you pulled food items out of the trash, I mean, that's pretty, pretty hiker trash as well. You wash your clothes in the shower. That's pretty hiker trashy. So well, I do that anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that's just how I do it. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. Did, did we, am I misremembering this? And I'll cut it if I, if, if we are. Did we not interview someone that has like the clothing brand or the trademark? Yeah, so Renee Patrick. Yeah, She-Ra, right? Is that She-Ra? Yeah, She-Ra. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
yeah. Uh, yeah, she yeah she does a lot of work on. She actually creates and builds through big long trails now. Yeah. But yeah, she was the yeah she was the original hiker trash when they had the whole brand. Um, you should, you should my invite her on. You should invite her on before she sues you for trademark infringement. Absolutely, absolutely. I gotta get her on my good yeah. side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Thru-hiker owned, Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. 
Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Okay, so Doc, bucket list hike. Oh, you know what? I'm glad you asked that because I've just gotten into my head after talking to a recent guest. I've heard about the tiara. Have you heard about the tiara? Oh, the <laughs> Toriaria, the one in New Zealand. No, okay. this. So you've heard of the Triple Crown? Yes. So there is something called the tiara, which is three hikes, not that are each 2,200 plus miles long. The tiara is the John Muir Trail. Mm-hmm. It's the Colorado Trail. Oh. And it's the long trail. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, so you've got okay. kind of West Coast, attainable. Central, and you've got yeah. East Coast, kind yeah. of similar veins of the yeah. way that yeah. the the Triple Crown is broken up. But yeah, attainable for someone normal like me. Yeah. And just to bring up legend, the legend has gotten the FKT in one form or another on all three of those as well. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, Garmeyer. Yeah. yeah, I might have to. Yeah, not Hester. <laughs> Hester has gotten the slowest known time on the John Muir Trail. The SKT. And, and we got it together on the Wonderland Trail. You should do the Wonderland Trail, though, Doc. I think you'd love it. You, that's one that's especially being out west and with your short time windows would be very attainable for you to do. And it's definitely a cool experience. Yeah, I have had Christine Reed on the podcast a couple of times, the author of Alone in Wonderland, and uh, really enjoyed her book. And it does sound like a, like an epic hike. Yeah. Um, and logistically, reasonably kind of easy because it's, it's a loop. There's a bunch of places where you can drop stuff off. Right. So it's a, a fun one to do. So here, here's one for you. What is the like, what is the question you, the one question you've always wished if, to be asked or like, when I, I had it phrased away in my head. So I'm, I'm going to edit this. Um, um, what is sort of the, 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 the biggest question, the most important question you've wanted to ask people throughout the run of the podcast and like, how would you answer it yourself? Oh, wow. Wow, that is a big question. Yeah. I've asked some questions. I don't know if I can answer that specific question, but maybe I can get to it roundabout. Let's see. I've asked some questions that I truly had no idea what the response actually ended up being. I had an idea of, of, I get typical answers about, tell me about your background. How'd you get involved in through hiking? How did, I, I was talking to Quadzilla. This is the one that stands out. I was we talking to Quadzilla. Zilla. Yeah, we Jack Jones. Right? I feel like we did, or someone mentioned him. I know the name Quadzilla. Yep, calendar your triple crowner. Yeah. And I asked him how he got his start in hiking. He talked about his experience in the South, and I asked him, how'd you end up in the South of the United States? And he told this story about how during the whole Tiananmen Square crisis, an uprising in China, he was just a little kid. And his father spoke out against the Chinese regime and was thrown in jail. They were worried about Jack's safety and sent him to America on his own by himself as an eight-year-old kid. And he ended up in the South being adopted by and raised by this woman in the South. And that's how his outdoor experience started. But just one of those questions you ask, it's almost like a throwaway question. And you get this answer that is completely unexpected and what a tremendous hardship what a tremendous journey that that he's been on and he you know 
use that as a jumping off point for getting for doing just the incredible things he's doing out there now. Now he's a, a calendar triple crowner. He was on the episode with Jeff Garmeyer. We co-hosted and we talked to the four guys that did the, the calendar where triple That's crowner. Where I recognize yeah. him. He hasn't yeah. been on, but I recognize him from that. I knew the name. Yeah, just an incredible guy, incredible story, and one of those surprising answers that you just don't yeah. expect. And so I don't know if I have anything that gigantic or interesting in, in, in my past, but yeah, I don't know if that answers the question or not, but no. hey. yeah. Did you, did your, were you, sorry, was your family outdoorsy growing up? Did you go camping as a family or kids or yes? Or were you more sports oriented or outdoor oriented before hiking as an adult? Yeah. So my, I come from a, a split family. My parents got divorced when I was probably seven or so. They each got remarried. I was an only child for a brief moment. And then I inherited, or I don't know if inherited is the wrong word, but I, I all of a sudden I found myself in a family with three stepbrothers and another family with two stepsisters. Um, my, with my mom and stepfather and stepbrothers, we would take an annual summer trip out to Lake Nascimento, like central California mm-hmm. and yeah. would do water skiing and those types of activities. And I remember going at least, at least once, maybe more to Yosemite with my father and stepmother and, and two stepsisters. That was, there was no, there's day hikes probably, but no, uh, nothing like the stuff I'm talking to people about now. So. <laughs> Have you found that you hike more or less since you started the podcast? <laughs> regrettably less it's yeah, know, less right? yes. yeah you, you, we all talk about that you do this you, you know what i mean like you do you do the media thing or the thing about the thing that you love and you find that it, it just takes time away from whatever that activity you want to be doing is <laughs> yeah but i live vicariously through my guests <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i guess the other question what's the long-term goal for your podcast what do you hope it how long you want to do it are you still that's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of work. And you still love doing it. It sounds like it, or you probably would have just stopped. But what are you hoping for down the road? Yeah, I'm having fun. I feel like I've I've got friends all over the world. I've talked to people on all seven continents, including one interview from a closet behind an office in a store at uh, McMurdo Station in Antarctica with uh, Anne Marie. She was an AT hiker who volunteered to go down to and work as a steward in Antarctica to support the the scientists down there. And she ended up spending a full year down there. There's an off season in Antarctica where everybody leaves except for a skeleton crew during the deep dark winter where the sun doesn't come out for six months. And she stayed on for that. Sounds like a, a great setting for a horror movie. But maybe John Carpenter should make it. That's oh, right. Wait, he did. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, I'm really enjoying it. The the people I'm constantly surprised by people. Uh, I think I know what I'm getting into in some interviews, and I really don't. And that the, the twists and turns is very entertaining. And I actually thought that I would do this for I don't know three seasons, four seasons. When I got to five seasons, I was almost like. Five seasons, that's a good number. 250 episodes. Let's uh, maybe move on to the next hobby. But uh, then it, it caught a little bit of traction. People started reaching out. It was easier to book guests. Uh, I was able to get more episodes out. The listens were going up. The downloads were going up. And then, of course, the whole picked up by a podcast network happened about six months ago, five, six months ago. And so, I don't know. I, I think I'm committed to keep on doing this for the near term. Yeah. That's awesome. That's fantastic. (laughs) 
And I don't know, you, again, we can cut this if you don't want to talk about it. What was the whole impetus be, behind the rebranding and the change of the John Freakin' Muir to, to Hiker Trash? Yeah, I think that the hiking community itself is a narrow niche. And with a name like the John Freakin' Muir Pod, I think if people see that, maybe they know what it's about. Maybe they don't know what it's about. Maybe they just pass on by. And so I thought, okay, Hiker Trash Radio... It's still, it's still kind of niche, but I think it's a little bit broader. And I just like the ring of it, the sound of it. We were actually, it was Memorial Day weekend, and we were driving down south as a family. Everybody's in the same car. And I started talking about this. I think it might be time to maybe change directions with the title of the podcast. Let's brainstorm some ideas. And my youngest daughter, who makes an appearance occasionally on the podcast as she reads ads and does social media for me occasionally, but she said, what about hiker trash? Okay, hiker trash. And I knew that there was backpacker radio, right? And I said, well, what about hiker trash radio? It's, it sounds like the ugly stepsister of backpacker radio, hiker trash radio. And so we did a search for on social media. We did a search websites, podcasts, and nothing. Nobody had, that, had claimed that. So I said, oh, we're doing this. You know, once I make a decision, it's 100% full bore. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And so we, in the next couple of days, we changed everything. It sounds like if this was like an 80s punk hiker podcast, that's what it, early 80s, that would, when punk moved in a new wave, you had big audio dynamite. It kind of has that feel to it. It's cool. I like it. <laughs> yeah, you're speaking my language. Early 80s. Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> cool. I'm trying to think, do we have anything else? Have we missed anything? I, don't, I would say, Doc, is there anything that we haven't asked you that you want to talk about? We always, or, yeah, that we can lead in, or is there something... We, we talked a little earlier about revelations from the podcast, what I've learned in my doctoral study of hiker trash. And another thing that I, I forgot, but I want to make sure that I include is just that the inclusivity of the outdoors and that the outdoors yeah. is not for a specific type of person. It's for everybody. I really admire and appreciate the work that the Sierra Club did in the early to mid 20th century. I may be getting my dates wrong here. In the mid-20th century, where they would do the high trips, they would gather people from normal walks of life and get them out into the Sierras and spend three weeks, four weeks out there and take them on nature walks and have sessions out there, almost like class, almost like a college class out there on various topics related to the outdoors to try and get people exposed to the outdoors because it's not for just a particular type of person. It's for everybody. It, no matter the gender, no matter the ethnicity, no matter your body shape, the outdoors is for everybody. And through hiking itself or hiking has so many different entry levels or levels. If you want to do a day hike, do a day hike. If that's what you're capable of, do it. Start there. If you want to do a hike that's several days, fine. If you want to do the calendar year triple crown where you're out for 11 months, do it. There's just so many ways you can ramp up and experience the outdoors. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. One of the things I always loved about the 52 hike challenge is that it was like a mile or two, right? So a hike, just as long as you go a mile or two, which is super accessible. And But also for some people, that may be the challenge. Like a mile on a trail or a mile may seem challenging, but I like the fact that if they had to define like what's a hike, that it wasn't the John Muir Trail, and it wasn't 10 miles into the mountains. And Jeff Hester, how much has that guy done to get yeah. people outdoors with the six-pack of Peaks yeah. Challenge? That, that has just Absolutely. exploded. That's fantastic. Yeah. 
And even before that, so down here in SoCal Hiker, before he even started that's doing right, challenge, doing all the guides and, and the blog and all of that. So yeah, yeah. But even though he he's not feeling well enough to be here, Jeff's with us. And we're we miss him. A good pat on the back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and hopefully, I'm assuming by the time this comes out, he'll be better. But <laughs> hopefully, as much. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but thank you. I appreciate. I appreciate you just bringing in that that hiking can be something for everybody that it really can. I think that's an important message. Yeah. And since we're doing the collaboration thing, tell us how, where can people find the, the hiker trash podcast? Okay. Hiker trash radio can be found on all of your podcasting platforms out there. We also have a website, hikertrashradio.com. And if you want to reach out to me directly, you can access me through the website or you can just send me an email at hikertrashradio at gmail.com. And also run all the social medias as well. Instagram, Facebook, not so much Twitter or X or whatever it's called anymore. But uh, also (laughs) my youngest daughter made me create a TikTok. She says, Dad, that's all the rage now. You need to do a TikTok. I feel a little bit out of my element with TikTok, but I've got some videos up there as well. How how are your dance moves? Oh, they're terrible. Are they holding up? (laughs) They they are not. In fact, going back to my days as principal... I spent a lot of time in that auditorium at like back to school nights, open house, other types of events. The scaredest I've been, the most scaredest, the most scared I've been in that auditorium is when I had to participate in a fundraiser for the dance team called Dancing (laughs) Dancing with the Stars, with the school stars. And we had a, I had to pair up with a dancer in the program and they, she spent two weeks maybe twice a week teaching me what the moves were, what the routine was. And it was just like less than two minutes. But then I had to get up on that stage and go through that dance with her as my partner uh, in front of judges in a packed auditorium. Just absolutely terrifying. Because I am, I am, ask anybody, I am not a dancer. <laughs> we might just ask everybody. Maybe we will. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll do a poll. <laughs> <laughs> the hiking poll. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry. I you got, you got all, Severio. I just went, I, I went to all sorts of inappropriate places. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on, Doc. Again, it's it's fun to talk to another podcaster, someone else doing it and doing it with a different approach. It's been like super interesting hearing your experiences compared to ours. <laughs> Thank you for having yeah. me on. I've thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. I hope this is not one of those clunker episodes that you put deep in the back catalog. We record in an hour. It's going to be 20 minutes long. So it won't be a No, I can't. search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv